0: Welcome to the Betting with a Barber's podcast. Tiki Barber, intercepted, taken away by Rondé Barber. and Barber, and Hosted by former All-Pro NFL stars Tiki Barber, Tiki with a career high 213 yards rushing. Rondé Barber. That is an interception. That's Rondé Barber's end of the season. And featuring Ron Kruk.
1: A production of GreenRollMedia.com. The world's premier sports betting podcast network. Rooted in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada.
0: Intercepted. Ron Day Barber. To the pylon. Touchdown, Tiki Barber.
1: And presented by the world-famous Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com to get in the action with better odds, favorable prices, and an expansive betting menu. Now live in Nevada, Colorado, and New Jersey. Sign up today at Superbook.com.
0: Superbook.com. NFL kickoff is almost here. Hey, let's
1: dominate today.
0: The Barber twins are buckling up their chin straps and about to take center stage. Let's get the former player perspective on this weekend's NFL betting action with Tiki and Ronde. It's betting with the Barbers. Under center, here's your signal caller, Ron
1: Crook. It's time to get real wild here on Betting with the Barbers, powered by Superbook Sports. Welcome to Wild Card Weekend. What's up, everyone? Ron Kruk joined by the New York Giants all-time leading rusher Tiki Barber and Super Bowl thirty-seven champ and the twenty twenty-two modern era player finalist for the NFL Hall of Fame, Rondé Barber. Rondé, congratulations, my man. Well deserved. I appreciate your energy, Ron. It's exactly what I need
2: today with all these huge lines in this uh, wildcard weekend.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, before we move on, I mean, Tiki, this is a big honor. Let, what your thoughts on your brother's Hall of Fame nomination?
3: I hope that this year is the year he finally gets through. He's got a pretty crowded class to deal with. Jared uh, Allen, Willie Anderson, Dwight Freeney, all these names, Reggie Wayne, Patrick Willis, Darrell Revis was having his yeah. on his first ballot. Devin Hester, the greatest returner in the history of the NFL. Tori Holt. There's some names, but none shine brighter than my twin brother, Rondé Barber. I hope this year is the year. Congrats.
2: I couldn't say it better myself, dude.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. It's in well-deserved. Non, in the interest of non-self-promotion.
1: <laughs> of course. We're not about that on this show, that's for sure. Hey, let's let's hope the committee gets it right this year. Well, guys, the regular season's over. Fourteen teams still chasing the dream, and we get a six-pack of wild card games to go through this weekend. Uh, what we've mentioned it all year long. What an unpredictable season! And going along with that theme, there could be up to seven quarterbacks making their first career playoff start this weekend. That is, if uh, Lamar Jackson doesn't start for the Ravens, and if Skylar Thompson gets the nod for the Dolphins. Well, the top-seeded. Eagles and Chiefs, both 14 and 3, get the weekend off. And we kick off the action with two games on Saturday night, three games on Sunday, and then we'll wrap it up with a battle on Monday night football. Let's begin with a trilogy game between two NFC West division rivals, guys. Number two ranked San Francisco hosting the surprising number seven seeded Seattle Seahawks, one of those teams. Not many people believed would be making a playoff run. Uh, San Francisco beat Seattle in both games this season. But no one is hotter than the 49ers coming into the playoffs. They've reeled off 10 straight wins. But they have a rookie quarterback starting. And rookies have gone 9-18 and in the postseason since 1983. On the flip side, Seattle quarterback Geno Smith gets his first playoff start, which by the numbers, could be worse than starting a rookie because since 2002, quarterbacks making their first career playoff start in the wild card round are 12 and 35 straight up. Pretty crazy. Opening odds coming in from SuperBook.com, and just as Rondi alluded to, here come the big numbers. San Francisco, a 10-point favorite at home. That number has gone down to nine and a half. The total opened up at 43 and a half, guys it's down to 42 and a half San Francisco a minus 450 favorite on the money line and Seattle plus 375 all right tiki you're up first how do you see this one playing out and who are you going with well from
3: it's just two ways to look at this one against the spread San Francisco has been dominant 3 and 0 against it and all uh, since 2021 um uh, oh, i mean uh since uh, this year in 2022 5 and 0 the last five home games 7 and 1 the last eight games, and in the division, they're six and zero against the spread. So you talk about spread, you got to go with San Francisco, and I tend to fall in line with that against the Seattle Seahawks, who are a team that has been good, but an odd, a little bit confusing. Uh, for instance, they're number two in the league in red zone scoring offense, but they're number twenty eight in the league in red zone touchdown uh, performance. So they just can't mm. seem to punch it in. And against a San Francisco 49ers team that has weapons out the you-know-what, it's going to be really hard to keep up if they're kicking field goals. So 10 seems like a lot, or 9.5, I should say, seems like a knot. But with Christian McCaffrey, who has been dominant, scored a touchdown in uh, most of the games that he's played, and they've been 10-0 and since he joined their team, and, I-Uk and 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 Kittle, and everyone else, this is going to be a real challenge for the Seattle Seahawks. I like San Francisco here, even though the number is pretty
2: big. Takey, this was not a matchup that I looked at and had anything favorable to say about <laughs> Seattle winning this football game. For one, before they beat the Los Angeles Rams last week, they were hem- hemorrhaging, right? They lost five of their last six. The only Their only wins were against uh, the New York Jets before they beat the Rams. So they crashed the, the Seattle party, but it's almost like they... Deserve not quite to be in it, uh, but you got to give credit to Geno Smith and the season that he's had. And then we started, he had two interceptions last week. His first pass last week was an interception, but they did enough. If this game is going to be competitive, Kenneth Walker needs to have 20 plus rushes and like 130 yards. So that game turns into that game because I don't think that they can keep up with what Sam Fran's doing on offense, even with, you know, the rookie Purdy uh, playing uh, in his first playoff game. Um, he hasn't been a problem for San Francisco, right? They've had no problems. In fact, he's thrown two touchdowns in six straight games. to kid can play, right? And obviously he has a head coach and a play caller that's suiting uh, the, the, the scheme to his skill set, and he's thriving. But if, if, if Geno Smith can't get the ball to DK Metcalf and teams have made a point, this dude, big number 14 for Seattle, is not beating us. San Francisco will do the same thing and they'll enhance it with their great defensive front pass rush. I, I, I don't see any reason why people would be wanting to skew towards Seattle doing anything. Win, cover, uh, whatever. I know a lot of people say third time, it's hard to beat a team three times in a row. I don't know who they are, but <laughs> Seattle is the much better team. And I, I think it's going to play, play that way. Uh, you mean once San Francisco. San Francisco. San Francisco so far, yeah. Well, San Francisco, when it plays this way this year, this weekend.
1: You almost threw us off there a I little, know. Rondé. I, I thought you were going to go th- – went this way and went that way, but uh, – You knew yeah, that. <laughs> I know. We know what you meant. Uh, Rondé and Tiki both going with the 49ers. Uh, you know, looking at the two games in the uh, regular season, San Francisco really cruised to a win in both of them, and I don't see anything that points to that changing this time around. The 49ers defense – allowed the fewest points per game this season. They're ranked first in the NFC and second in the NFL in rushing yards allowed per game. I'm I'm with you, Ronda. You hit it, stop the run, stop Seattle. I think the 49er defense does that, and I'm going with you. Clean sweep. I think San Francisco uh, covers that big number.
2: Also, San Fran has the Defensive Player of the Year in Nick Boza, period.
1: That helps, doesn't it? <laughs> Game number two on Saturday has the number four seeded Jacksonville Jaguars winners of the AFC South taking on the L.A. Chargers who finished second in the AFC West and got that number five seed. Now, this is a rematch from week number three when Jacksonville surprisingly destroyed the Chargers 38 to 10 on the road and they rolled up 413 uh, yards of total offense. Speaking of rules, Jacksonville has been on one, winning five straight and six of seven to get into the postseason. Another team not many people thought had a chance, especially when they were sitting at three and seven. Meanwhile, L.A. has won four of five, losing a meaningless game to Denver last weekend where their starters, for some weird reason, played until the second half. This line, guys, opened up from Superbook.com as a pick'em. Money is coming in on the Chargers. Currently, the L.A. Chargers are a minus two favorite on the road. The total opened at 47 and a half and still sits at 47 and a half. Money line, L.A. minus 125 and Jacksonville plus 105. I I look at this. This is going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be a shootout. Rondé, break it down for us and give us your pick.
2: I think this is one of the better games of the weekend. Obviously you have two of the best young quarterbacks uh, in football in this game. I don't know why uh, the Chargers starters played last week. Mike Williams gets hurt. Although he will, he will play. There's no way he's missing uh, this game for the same for the Los Angeles Chargers. But the reality is uh, the Jaguars, even though they were hot, had a five game winning streak. They were not performing like they were performing say three weeks ago. In fact, mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence in, in the last three games has only thrown one touchdown pass, one interception, one touchdown pass. It's not been quite as dynamic as it has been, but you got to give a lot of credit to this football team. Doug Peterson's probably looking at like coach of the year type of consideration for, for getting this team where where, where they are. Um, they only have one meaningful win, right? They beat some bad teams down that stretch. Their only meaningful win was an overtime win against Dallas, a team that, eh, doesn't look so hot to me either. Uh, if there's one concern for me, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars defense. They they do not pressure the quarterback enough, and they have a very, very young secondary. I think that's going to be the key in this football game. If they can find a way to get pressure on Herbert, they'll have a chance. Otherwise, I just think that offense in, in, in Los Angeles for the Chargers is just too dynamic. they got good players. They play good enough defense. Staley's a mastermind at scheming up uh, any one game. And I think they'll they'll find a way to limit uh, what Trevor Lawrence can do. But this this line is perfect. I, I'm sitting here going, I, it could go if it was plus two or minus two the other way. I would be completely fine uh, with where this game is sitting right now.
3: Look, I think that the home dog, the Jacksonville Jaguars, being a home dog, is exactly where they want to be because Doug Peterson, who's had a ton of experience in the postseason and has a championship under his belt. Will use that as motivation. And they don't really need motivation. We all know the disrespect that the Jags have felt. I really like them getting two right. at home to the LA Chargers, who got to fly across the country and who have been horrendous at stopping the run, giving up 5.7 or so yards per attempt. Travis Etienne should have the day of his 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 life because you know that they're going to feed him both as a runner and as a receiver out of the backfield and with. The myriad of, of options that Trevor Lawrence needs. And Rondi's right, they haven't beat anybody really meaningful. Uh, it's well, they really haven't had to, but they won a game last week that was win and get in. And they went down early in that game and found a way to come back. There's a resiliency about this team. Now I know we like the Boses, and there's a Bosa on this team in LA, but he hasn't really played this year. And as much as I want to depend on him. Joey has only played 5 games this year. I know Khalil Mack is leading the team with sacks. He's got 8. Derwin James is getting back to that player that he is, but I think this this Chargers defense can be had by a well-coached offense. I like the Jags here offensively against the against the Chargers defense and to steal this game even though they're at home and they're kind of the favorite. Uh steal this game as a
1: as a home dog. I don't like home dogs in the playoffs. So, Ronde you're going with the Chargers. Tiki taking the home Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, two defenses, as you both said, that are not good at two different things. The Chargers' run defense, dismal, um, second worst number in the AFC, fifth worst in the NFL. But the Jacksonville pass defense has been just as horrible. Uh, they gave up the fifth most passing yards in the NFL this year. I think Justin Herbert, who finished second in the NFL in passing yards this year with over uh, forty seven hundred. I mean, he may throw for a thousand in this game, but I think Tiki's right. I think uh, Jacksonville is going to pound the ball. I think they're gonna run very hard and do uh do it very well, just uh pounding the rock. This is gonna be a shootout. I could see it being very close, and when it comes down to it, I think I see the chargers making a charger mistake. So I'm gonna take. The points with Jacksonville at home. Uh, Chargers proved it to me. They got to the playoffs, but they got to prove it to me that they can win in the playoffs. Well, Superbook is gearing up for the NFL playoffs and is still offering some big bonuses and promotions, including up to $1,000 when you sign up, make a deposit, and a wager. Check out Superbook.com and download the app today for details and welcome Ohio sports fans. Superbook is now live in the Buckeye State. All right, guys, we kick off Sunday's games when two a long-time AFC East rivals square off as the 13-3 and, and number-two seeded Buffalo Bills welcome in the number-seven seeded Miami Dolphins who finished 9-8. and eight. The two teams split games at home this season, both being decided by three points. As of this recording, the Dolphins have ruled out quarterback Tungo he is out and still in concussion protocol. And the team is preparing for backup Skylar Thompson from K-State to be their quarterback. Um, I mentioned some numbers early on. Thompson gets the double whammy of being a rookie and making his first playoff start. So he's got that going for him. Buffalo has reeled off seven straight wins while Miami snapped a five-game losing streak to get into the playoffs. Wow, massive number, guys. And it changed just today as we are recording. Buffalo opened as a minus 10 and a half point favorite. And then when the news came out that Tua was ruled out, it jumped up to Buffalo minus 13. Crazy number. The total opened at 44 and a half. It's now up to 46 and a half. Buffalo minus 450 on the money line, Miami plus 375. All right, Tiki, another divisional matchup uh, here and another huge number. Who gets it done in Buffalo?
3: I think Buffalo gets this one done, and it's probably not even going to be that challenging for them. So give me Buffalo, even though the number is huge. They're laying a huge number here, My, mainly because they've been here before. Josh Allen was damn near perfect in the postseason last year. Didn't throw any interceptions, nine touchdowns. Uh, is McDermott, his head coach, is, is so experienced, and they didn't really skip a beat by losing their O.C., Brian Dable, who we'll talk about later with the New York Giants uh, to the, uh, you know, with with their offensive play calling. Uh, obviously, a lot of this is on Josh Allen, uh, but there's also this emotional side that is hard to discount. I mean, we saw it last week with Naheem Himes returning the opening kickoff, their opening kickoff for a touchdown and having another one later, which hadn't happened in three years and three months. Uh, obviously, DeMar Hamlin is was heavily in their minds. He's now been released uh, from the hospital and he's back home. just under nine days which is just miraculous and all those thoughts and prayers as as josh allen said god is real man so Mm -hmm. i think that this this team this buffalo team is playing with a a, a heightened edge and they already know that they're the better squad and i i love the the story of young quarterbacks getting an opportunity skylar thompson's the other seventh round draft pick starting wild card weekend along with brock purdy but he doesn't nearly have the experience or the moxie or, uh, I think, the ability uh, that, that these other quarterbacks have in the postseason. Miami could be in for a long struggle uh, up in Buffalo this
2: weekend. I like the Bills. Yeah, Tiki, I think this one has yawner potential to it. This one, <laughs> one that you don't really pay much attention to other than, uh, like you said, the the DeMar Hamlin uh, storyline will probably pull a lot of people's eyes to this football game because everybody's. <laughs> rooting for that football team even if they have no betting interest or personal interest in the Buffalo Bills when I look at Miami obviously the question coming in was should Tua play and the the answer is and I'm glad they made the decision is absolutely not so you put Tyler Thompson in position to start and look I watched him at Kansas State because that's where my daughter's boyfriend goes he is very athletic he has a zingy type of arm and he can play big thing he want to. A important game for them last week. Now, he didn't do anything spectacular. He had 157 yards, but most importantly, zero turnovers. So if I'm looking at this game for Miami, because we all obviously all think that Buffalo is going to run away with this, they're going to have to do a couple of things. And the first of those is to take the ball away. The only way to beat Buffalo is to force them to get to get the ball away. Uh, Josh Allen makes some sort of mistakes because you like their talent at, on offense. they're not a deep shot team. That's not what Mike McDaniels does. He likes to give running catch opportunities to Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill and let them decimate a defense with their speed and athleticism. If they're able to get the ball back and do some of that, then yes. But I think, like you said, Tiki, Buffalo, to me, is the best team in the AFC. we went into this season thinking that they were the Super Bowl favorite. I still think they're the Super Bowl favorite. They do have some issues, but they are issues that they can't overcome against this Miami Dolphins football team. I truly believe that uh, Leslie Frazier's the deep the, the assistant coach of the year in the NFL with what he's had to do with this football team, overcoming injuries, best pass rusher. Secondaries had played like four different guys uh, back there. They're uh, they're still top 10 yards and number two in points. I don't think they'll have any problem whatsoever with this uh, Miami team. You could take this, this spread to. Five more points. I think it'll be it'll be that kind of game.
1: Wow, that would be amazing. I mean, a 13 points. I was looking it up. The last time the Dolphins were uh, over 13 point underdogs was in '98 when they played the Broncos in Mile High. They were 13 and a half and they lost 38 to three. So <laughs> here we go. Uh, major major number. Uh, the the Dolphins though managed to keep it close in both regular season games, and that was because they could run the ball and they kept that Bills offense on the sidelines for a while. But uh, Raheem Moser is uncertain. Uh, Jeff Wilson could be the guy. I think the Bills will key on whoever is running the ball and make whoever is starting at quarterback beat them. Uh, The forecast, not bad in Buffalo, a high of 34, no snow, although you know the Dolphins will be bringing those those space heaters with them because that's what they do. Uh, I think I'm with you two guys. you know, don't want us to agree on everything. But I, this one is, to me, kind of a, I don't want to say a no-brainer, but the Bills offense comes to play in this one. I think Josh Allen lights up the Dolphins defense. Love the line at 10 and a half. 13 scares me a little bit, but I, I can't go with uh, Miami. Give me Buffalo in this one at home. On Christmas Eve, the Minnesota Vikings and the New York Giants stage a classic with the Vikings winning on a game-ending 61-yard field goal from Greg Joseph. Now the two teams run it back for the second time in three weeks. New York finished 9-7-1 in an NFL best, 13-4 against the spread, while the Vikings went 13-4 straight up and secured that number three seed in the NFC. Crazy stat of the week. Both the Vikings and Giants were outscored by their opponents this season, yet here we are. Superbook yeah. opened this game up at Minnesota minus three. Uh, even money coming in. The line has not moved. The Vikings are still a field goal favorite. Total <laughs> opened up at 48 and a half. It's down to 48. Minnesota is a minus 160 on the money line and plus 140 for the Giants. All right. Tiki, you have rode your New York Giants all year long and you're leading our Pick'em Contest, in case you didn't know. So you get the honors. Uh, Do the New York Giants pull off the upset?
3: Well, of course I think they're going to pull off the upset. They made two huge mistakes in that previous game against the Minnesota Vikings. Daniel Bellinger, their tight end, fumbled going into the tight red area. And then Daniel Jones doing interception a couple series later, which gave Minnesota the opportunity to get a lead. Giants came back. And it went, uh, came down, obviously, to that last-second field goal that you mentioned. But I think that the Giants have evolved since then. Isaiah Hodgins, who nobody knew. Bills knew him because – and, De- and, De- and uh, Dayball and Shane, the general manager and head coach, knew him because they drafted him uh, up in Buffalo. But he's leading this team in, in receptions and – or at least touchdown receptions after only playing five games. Now, Ronnie, I don't know if you watched this kid on tape. He is a great route runner. Uh, Patrick Peterson, he abused in the game that they played a couple of weeks ago. And it it allows Daniel Jones to be really confident throwing tight window throws to him. So I think he's going to get exploited. I think that Daniel Jones, as a design QB runner, is going to get exploded. And Saquon Barkley needs 20 to 30 catches or touches in this game to let the Giants be able to control it. But I think most importantly, Wink Martindale, whose philosophy of pressure bust pipes, is, knows how to go after a Kirk Cousins, immobile, I got to be on schedule type quarterback. And what allows them to do that is the emergence of Landon Collins as a linebacker. He's really a substituted, uh, he, he substitute. They, they'll sometimes play five DBs, uh, six or seven DBs on certain, certain uh, downs and distances. Landon Collins as a linebacker gives him coverage um, um, over a tight end, TJ Hawkinson. Uh, And so you expect him to bracket Justin Jefferson and let Landon Collins take his his heat out on Hawkinson and then go after the quarterback. It's gonna be really interesting, this game plan that Giants come up with. But for the Minnesota Vikings, look, they know how to win tight games. As long as they keep it tight, they have a chance to win. But obviously I'm biased. I like the Giants and getting three on the road against a team that Giants fans are now expecting them to beat. Give me the G-men.
2: Ooh, hey, you know what? You know what's funny? is that I don't hate the Giants in this one. I,
1: mm-hmm. reality,
2: wow. is, reality is they only beat one winning team the, this, this year, which is kind of crazy, uh, but they they played well enough. And and, and to, to further your point about Daniel Jones, how this has evolved, in that game last time, uh, three weeks ago, they threw the ball 49 times. They only ran it 17 times in that game. So a complete departure from what they did but uh, basically most of the year. And the reason was because this Minnesota Vikings pass defense is 31st in the NFL. They're bad. You know, Harrison Smith has been hurt. He's been banged up. He had a great year. Patrick Peterson had a great year, but he has been beat a lot. Uh, so it doesn't really matter who the, the receivers have been for the giants. The last two or two starts for Daniel Jones, he's completed 71% of his passes. Like he's kind of evolved. Like I think he's answered all the questions now. And now he can just kind of go be who he's supposed to be. And I've seen him, we've seen him, everybody's watched him, and seen him win two different ways. It doesn't always have to be about Saquon, although I think it will be about Saquon in this game. It can be Daniel Jones if they need to. Now, with with the Minnesota Vikings, I I do love Kevin O'Connell. I I love the way that he prepares his team for situational football. So at Mm the end of games, they are ready to to win. They know how to win. He's gone over all these details. I remember I talked to KJ Osborne, the other wide receiver, about what makes their coach special. And he's like, we're ready for anything. Whatever comes up at the, at the crucial points in games, Kevin O'Connell has gone over it with them. So when, they t- when teams take JJ out of the game, Justin Jefferson's out of the game, somebody else steps up. And it's been KJ Osborne uh, coincidentally. Look, the Minnesota Vikings put their right guard and right tackle on IR. So that Dexter Lawrence and uh, Leonard Williams combination, who played well in the last game, is going to be important. If if Minnesota can't run the ball at all, and this is a Kirk Cousins drop back fifty times a game, Wink Martindale's sitting there going, "Here we <laughs> go, boys. This is our opportunity." And if it turns into that game, I also like the Giants. Three points here, like three points feels like about right in this in this in this game. And I am kind of with you, Tiki, I I i like I think I like uh, the Giants a little bit more. The luck, the eleven and 0, one score game that is not sustainable. It is not sustainable, man. And I think it I think it runs out this week.
1: yeah, and the Giants really should have won that game if it wasn't for a punt return and a lot of things mm-hmm. that really went the Vikings way, but have all year long, as you mentioned, ronde. I, I I you guys yeah. broke it down perfectly. Great insight. I, I think, Quickly, the spotlight will be on the quarterbacks. I mean, Daniel Jones, what a huge year he's had. And we'll see if Kirk Cousins can shine if if there is no run game behind Cook in a marquee game. Uh, In the last matchup, Cousins was sacked four times, and the Giants racked up almost 450 yards of offense against a very bad Vikings D. At the beginning of the year, we said, hey, this offense is going to be is going to be very difficult to slow down, but the defense is going to be the issue. And it's starting to show cracks here at the end of the season as we roll into the playoffs. I think the Giants will feed Barkley about 20 times, get pressure on Collins. But if we learned anything about the Vikings, they will blow a lead, they will (laughs) rally, and then this game will probably be decided on the last play. I'm going, though, I'm going with the Giants to cover uh, but I somehow I see the Vikings winning this game. I don't know how. Don't ask me why. But uh, I think it's happening. But I'm riding with Tiki on this one. Give me the Giants. All right. Third divisional wild card matchup has the number six seeded Baltimore Ravens traveling back to Cincinnati to play the number three seed Cincinnati Bengals after the Bengals just beat Baltimore at home 27 to 16. Last weekend, these teams split both games this season. Baltimore won in week five, 19 to seven. All right, Cincinnati owns the second best against the spread record at 12 and four, while the Ravens went seven, nine, and one against the number. Bengals won their final eight games of the regular season, while Baltimore kind of limping into the playoffs after losing three of their last four. Will Lamar Jackson play after missing The five final games with a knee injury, that is the big question. As of this recording, several reports say it's not looking good and that Tyler Huntley could get the start under center against Cincinnati. Huntley missed the Ravens Week 18 game uh, due to shoulder and wrist injuries. Anthony Brown got the nod last week. So keep an eye on this number and what's going on with the Baltimore Ravens quarterback situation. Cincinnati, according to Superbook.com, they opened up as a six and a half point favorite. And I think, guys, with the news that it looked like Lamar was doubtful, that number has jumped up to Cincinnati minus eight and a half. The total 43 and a half has gone down Uh, when it opened, has gone down to 42. And on the money line, the Bengals are at minus 330, Baltimore plus 270, another matchup between divisional rivals who uh, they know each other very well. There's no doubt about it. Uh, who gets it done in this one, Rondé?
2: Right. Familiarity breeds understanding. We always say that, right? Teams that play each other twice in a year, they know how to beat each other. Obviously, the game plan will be a little bit different for both squads going into this game, but I don't think this one has quite the, the tenor of a of a. Of a of high-profile matchup without lamar jackson yes anthony brown played last week he threw for 286 yards huntley will probably play this week he'll overcome that that injury but I, it, it's, it's easy to say what i just said without qualifying that the cincinnati Bengals are the second hottest team in football They came into this year uh, having been in the super bowl the previous year and to nitpick and criticize all every little thing that they've done wrong over the year is dismissing the fact that they're an elite football team. They have three great receivers. They have an unflappable, completely unflappable quarterback who's playing well. He didn't play great last week uh, in that somewhat kind of had to win game, but we know what Joe Burrow is going to do when the the lights come on. The offense evolved for him this year. I remember watching some games earlier in the year, and Zach Taylor didn't have the ball coming out on time with his drops, whatever. He is getting the ball out of his hands as quick as anybody in the league. Now, the only caveat to this whole conversation for me, as far as this game goes, is that Baltimore's defense that was so kind of disappointing at the beginning of the year has evolved. They got Roquan mm-hmm. Smith in a trade, and they've only given up 14.6 points per game since then, right? They have some good players. Marlon Humphrey being one, he'll be able to take away some of the, some of that action uh, on the other side of the ball for Baltimore. That's what it's going to take. They're going to have to slow down. Uh, those receiving corps, you know that Cincinnati doesn't like to run the ball. They don't do it well, so they don't do it very often. But if they could take away the pass game, then this game becomes a little tighter. Now, for me, it's hard to say if eight and a half is too much or too many because of the vision matchup. But I think that Baltimore has a chance to cover this. I don't think they're going to beat Cincinnati, but I think their defense is playing well enough right now that this it's underneath this, this eight and a half points.
3: Hmm, interesting. We might finally disagree here, Ronde, because
2: early on <laughs> yeah, in the year,
3: you go back to the early October, early October matchup between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens. The reason the Ravens won is because that defense was starting to evolve then. They still have a little bit of that wink Martindale in them. We're gonna bend a lot, but once we get in the red zone, you're not scoring. They're top five score deep scoring defense in the NFL in the regular season. I think they're third. So they don't they don't let you in. And against the Cincinnati Bengals, the Bengals were down there a lot. They kept kicking field goals, and they they kept missing out. or turning it over on downs, really, is what what happened, because they didn't have a philosophy of what to do. Because of that, the Cincinnati Bengals changed their philosophy. Instead of those stupid trick plays and the Philly special and the let me, you know, shovel to the fullback who never gets touches, they said, you know what, we're going to line up, bring an extra tight end, bring an extra lineman, we're just going to ram it down your throat. They they turn their identity around because of the Baltimore Ravens. And I think that philosophy, which is run hard, find our best wide receivers and throw them the ball. Check downs are just as good uh, because you get running backs that can break tackles. I think the Bengals have evolved to become a more effective offense in the red zone. And that gives them this edge against the Lamar Jackson, banged up Tyler Huntley. Uh, off a, a Baltimore Ravens team, I like the Bengals to cover this, um, and then maybe only by a couple more than than eight. But laying eight and a half, um, I'm going to take the Cincinnati Bengals here. I think that they have a a hunger, they have an experience because they were just in the same spot and pushed all the way to the to the Super Bowl. A little smoke and mirrors, but they did it. Uh, I like them against a compromised Baltimore Ravens team laying eight and a half.
1: All right, Tiki going with the Bengals, Rondé going with the Ravens to keep it close. Uh, You know, after starting 0-2, I think many people slept on Cincinnati making a return trip to the Super Bowl. I think that's a big mistake. I think they had a chip on their shoulder at the beginning of the season. And now that the NFL kind of screwed them with this revamped playoff scenario, I think they really have a chip on their shoulder. And they're coming out to uh, prove that they can get back to the big game. Uh, Rhonda, you mentioned it and it does worry me a little bit that Baltimore defense has been very solid recently and they've limited uh, Joe Burrow this season. Uh, they've slowed him down after he lit them up last year. The Bengals O-line is banged up and that is a concern as well. But I just don't think whoever plays that quarterback for the Ravens, that offense can keep up with the Bengals. If, if Lamar Jackson somehow does get that start, Uh, That's the first time he's going to be under center in six games. He could be extremely rusty. I think Cincinnati has too many weapons on offense. As Tiki mentioned, they're scoring in the red zone now. Uh, It's a divisional battle. It's a lot of points. But I think that Cincy is on a mission, and I think that they will cover the eight and a half. All right, we cap off wild card weekend on Monday night with Maybe the most intriguing game of the wild card weekend, guys, when the number five seeded Dallas Cowboys take their 12 and five record to Tampa Bay to face the NFC South winning Bucks, who finished under 500 with an eight and nine mark, becoming just the sixth team in NFL history to make the playoffs with a losing record. Tom Brady in a big game shocking news right there. <laughs> Dallas was fading at the end of the season losing two of its final four games. The Bucks beat the Cowboys in week number 1, 19 to 3 in Big D, and here's your second crazy stat of the week. Dallas has never beat Tom Brady, going 0 and 7 all time against the Buccaneers quarterback. Pretty crazy dallas according to superbook.com opened up as a minus two and a half point favorite they are still a two and a half point favorite on the road total has remained steady at 45 and a half money line has dallas minus 145 and tampa plus 125 all right who's going against tom brady in a playoff game ronde you kick us off
2: Hey, this is uh, the game that everybody's saying it's Super Bowl or bust for McCarthy, right? they got to win a playoff game. They haven't won a playoff game in forever. Well, the re- reality is they do have a pretty good defense, but the the, 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 the fact is that they have a beat-up secondary right now. Who is playing opposite Trayvon Diggs? It's Anthony Brown, Jordan Lewis are out. Those are the only two guys with experience. He started a rookie, Deron Bland, last week. Can you imagine him covering Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and Julio and Russell Gage and wherever those guys lined up? They signed Xavier Rhodes this week, but maybe he's going to play. When I look at the matchup, just what the matchup is going to be, it favors heavily the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, especially if they play like they play week 17. Now, they lost week. Eighteen, because they played Atlanta and they only played half, but they were winning that game. They could have gone nine and eight, and we wouldn't be having this conversation. Only team (laughs) under five hundred since whenever, whatever. Uh, I like I like the Bucks for one reason, and it's not Tom Brady. It's because Tampa Bay's defense has gotten a little more opportunistic. They're going to be a little bit more healthy, and Dak Prescott is obviously not himself. He is not his best self this year. They had a, a, a game last week to win uh to potentially win a division and he completed 37.8 of his passes. That I have never seen Dak Prescott play that that bad. He led the league in interceptions. There's a reason this team feels a little shaky going going into the playoffs here. And look, I, I know Todd Bowles is he's had his up and downs this year as his head coach, but the reality is he has Tom Brady as his quarterback. I'm <laughs> taking Tom Brady, the Bucks Bowl is a very exotic defense that can make your life miserable as a home dog here all day long.
3: Yeah, I, I, Ronde, I, I can't disagree. I disagree against with Cincinnati. I can't disagree here. And it has nothing to do with you know the the Cowboys never the history. History doesn't matter in the moment, right? It doesn't matter. You you can draw some right. some some interesting conversation, but it doesn't matter to the action that's gonna act that's gonna take place. On the football field. Look, they started the season in primetime on Sunday night football. They're ending the first week of the wild card in primetime as a standalone game. And I love the Buccaneers because Dak Prescott is broken. And you look, you watch tape just like I watch tape, just like Casey Rogers and Larry Foote, the defensive coordinators uh, by title of the Buccaneers watch tape. He gets confused very easily. He's off his initial read, and he's looking for C.D. Lamb right now, right? He thinks the play is, is cover two, and the cornerback's going to sink. Instead, it's actually man coverage. He throws an interception pick six last week. And he, it's been every single week, something akin to that. He led the league in interceptions with 15. Dak is shot. And if Tony Pollard's not going to get fed, which for some reason, they're not feeding that dude, I can't trust the Dallas Cowboys offense. And as Rondé mentioned, their defense is absolutely compromised. Uh, simply because of their second and third levels. Now, for the Buccaneers, I told you guys it wasn't going to be all season that Tom Brady and Mike Evans were missing by eight feet on these deep balls. Eventually, they worked it out. Like, you throw enough of them, we're going to get it. And that combination has started to click at the perfect time for, let's call it, an underachieving Buccaneers team in the regular season. It has started to click. Mike Godwin has been the glue that held it together for a little bit. And I love the Buccaneers here as a home dog uh, laying two and a half or or getting two and a half. I should say, Uh, I think this one could get away from Dallas because they are very mistake prone against, as Rondé mentioned, an opportunistic Tampa defense.
1: Well, it's wild card weekend. Let's get wild. I'm going (laughs) to disagree with both the barber. And what, how's he going to do? I, I get it. I mean, Dak Prescott is, is a huge concern. I mean, since week 12, The guy has thrown 11 interceptions more than any other quarterback during that span. And he's the first Cuban NFL history to miss at least five games and still lead the league in interceptions. He is not the same guy, right? Uh, But now, and now he gets to face the most successful uh, quarterback in NFL history. Why would I go with Dallas? At some point they have to win a playoff game. And how do you go and get a win against Brady? Well, I think you got to get pressure on him. That is his only kryptonite. Pressure, pressure, pressure. I think the Dallas defense does that. It does scare me. You know, of course, Tom Brady. Hasn't been Tom Brady all season until, if you're a fantasy football owner, that last week, it's the the Super Bowl. What does he do? He blows up for 40-plus points. That's what he does. It's a huge game. I just have this feeling that the Dallas defense – pressures Brady, does enough, and the Dallas O plays just good enough to get them into the round. Kruk picks against Brady again. I have learned nothing in two years with you two. I'm going
2: to give you one stat that you won't believe, and I know Dallas has Micah Parsons, right? That's Tampa Bay Buccaneers, least sack team in the NFL, again.
1: Can I change my pick? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> where are you on that one louie with that stat our producer no we i gotta give louie uh, uh as we're wrapping up guys he found such a great stat uh double digit home favorites in wild card weekend are eight zero all time straight up and against the spread so keep that in mind as we have some major major point spreads coming into what is going to be a fantastic weekend of football. That's going to do it for the Wildcard Weekend Edition of Betting with the Barbers, powered by Superbook Sports. We have appreciated everyone's support throughout the season. Please take a second to like, rate, and subscribe. Betting with the Barbers is available on Spotify, Apple Music, and of course at superbook.com. And remember, Superbook is now live in Ohio. Sign up today. Guys, as we wrap up and get psyched for a huge weekend of football, any final thoughts going into the NFL playoffs, Tiki?
3: Yeah, I think this is going to be an a interesting week because so many of these games are rematches. But there's also seven teams, seven, that were not in the postseason last year, including my New York Giants. So it's wow. new blood. It's why you love the NFL because it's not a team of superstars that are doing it every year. It's new coaches and new places different different iterations of the same thing, uh, but also it just feels fresh. And at this point, everybody has a shot. I mean, honestly, every anything
2: could happen this weekend, so it's must-watch TV. I, I agree. This was uh, a year unlike any other, right? Whatever your record was getting in the playoffs, punched your ticket to the dance. You might have brought a pretty girl. You might have brought an ugly one. She might have <laughs> brought, brought a handsome guy. She may have brought an <laughs> ugly one. Either way, you are in a, if I can steal from Mike Tomlin, you're in a single elimination turning for the confetti. That's all
1: it is. I love it. Now I'm extremely pumped up. And how about Florida teams? Let's give them some love. Bucks, Jags, Dolphins, all in the playoffs. Yeah. First time since 1999. And as uh, Tiki pointed out, this is uh, all six games this weekend are rematches, just the fifth time in NFL history that has happened. All right, guys. Go and enjoy the games for my partners, Tiki and Grande Barber. Follow us on social media at Tiki Barber, at Grande Barber, at R cruck and of course at Superbook Sports. Enjoy the games, everyone.
0: You've been locked into the betting with a Barber's podcast. Hey. Tiki Barber. Has intercepted Ronde Barber. Presented by Superbook Sports featuring former all-pro NFL stars Tiki and Ronde Barber and featuring Ron Kruk. Subscribe, rate, follow and review today and never miss out on the Barber Twins weekly betting advice. Tiki Barber takes it all the way, 62 yards. Ronde Barber broke up the play. Ronde Barber breaks it up.